Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dear Future Children. I'm Connor. And I'm Jocelyn. And this is our weekly podcast where we tell our children everything we can't tell our younger selves. Because trust me, we could have used it. So first off, we just want to say we love you all and thank you so much, everyone who listened. Uh, Did you expect as many people to listen as they did? Um, no, but, you know, I'm glad, you know, we got some good feedback and I just think it's nice that, uh, you know, people are tuning in and we're glad you came back. Um, and and it's nice, like, I hope this isn't, this is a little self-involved, but. It's a little bit, um, but, you know, that's kind of the point of this is we're trying to kind of, you know, take the lessons that we have learned, um, and, you know, hopefully someone else can can learn a bit from it because yeah you can anyone can learn from their own mistakes but it's a little more helpful to learn from someone else's (laughs) and at the very least if we make the same mistakes again a year from now we have proof that there was no excuse for that thing that we said we would not do it's true and it just proves us right that this is that this potential replicated mistake is something that happens and is difficult how to empathize with your former and future self (laughs) i feel like some psychologist has some insight there well okay so on the topic of psychology today's show i'm actually incredibly excited about because this one is more abstract this isn't really about us at all and except in the sense that it's about our feelings about a specific topic which is what is romantic love really for and I think it's a question that we should be asking ourselves a lot more and each other both in our individual relationships but also in a cultural context because we really have entered in the past I don't know 20-30 years a time of sort of social chaos when it comes to dating And, you know, Connor and I, to get ready for this episode, we're doing all kinds of research about how do people feel about romantic love right now? You know, I mean, it's and it's really interesting because the data is sort of all over the place. 67% of people dating saying it's going say it's going terribly Well, 75% say it's almost impossible to meet people, which that doesn't really shock me. But then on the flip side, marriages are lasting longer. The divorce rate is lower. And 94% of Americans say they believe in true love. So this is a very, I mean, I don't know. This Did this stuff confuse you too? Yeah, I mean, especially like the, you know, if everyone thinks it's hard to find someone and meet someone and like, large majority of people who are seeing someone say it's not going well but 94 percent believe in true love and i think it sort of gets to the root of what we kind of want to talk about here which is like what are you looking for what do you want out of a you know true love relationship um and it's like you know maybe people are looking for the wrong things maybe people aren't like might even have it but aren't willing or even able to you know, put in the work and develop that connection that, like, they might have the root of it, but, you know, as we mentioned last week, like, we've been, we're best friends for 11 years before realizing that we had these romantic feelings, um, and so we have that foundation of how to talk through problems with each other, how to work through issues, how to work through disagreements, how to work through mistakes, um, and so, you know, of of those 94% who say they believe in true love, some might be you know, holding out for the next great thing when it's like, it's not just going to be sunshines and rainbows from the drum. It's not that, you know, rom-com moment of like, you know, our eyes met across the room and it was just perfect for the rest of our lives. It's funny you say that because literally every single person I've told about us who didn't know us really well already is like, that's such a rom-com thing. (laughs) (laughs) We we have enjoyed uh, watching rom-coms and being like, ooh, yeah, that... Oh, yeah, that archetype, that archetype. But no, like, exactly. And I think, I love that you say that, you know, I do think that pretty much anyone, I don't think you have to do too much research to be aware that people's expectations are almost certainly irrationally high at this point. And, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on the fact that, like, you'll read these self-help type gurus and who blame that on why romantic love 
is hard right now. And I don't believe that at all, to be clear. I think it has as much to do with late stage capitalism making everything more difficult from, you know, meeting people organically, like in church or at soccer or whatever, to just the fact that we're all isolated and socially anxious and that makes our social skills a little, a little sus. But I think even beyond that, we have become unmoored about what romantic love is, what it represents, if it's even something that like people don't people know what's important and people want it. Oh, another Pew survey that I found very interesting. Most people say they get married for love. Like high and above other motivations like financial stability and having children, which you know, to us obviously so steeped in our current cultural context is like duh, of course most people get married yeah. for love, but like it wasn't that long ago when that wasn't that wasn't at all why people were dating and marrying. People were dating to, like, get out of their parents' house as much as anything. Yeah, it's just, like, to, to have, like, independence, have children, um, etc. Um, yeah, I think it also gets to, like, changing attitudes about sex outside of marriage. That, you know, like, one thing I found that from 1969 to 2009, I think, just, like, it was, like, a complete 180. It went from 60% think it's wrong to 60% are fine with it. And so, like, as those evolving attitudes continue to change, then it's kind of like, okay, well, now that we don't have just those base, like, I want my house and I want a family, so, okay, that person, we get along, let's get married, versus when you want something deeper out of that. But as you said, it's like, as a society, we haven't really trained ourselves, trained each other to, like, really know what that something is, that romantic love is that we're all looking for. And so, yeah, it's, it shouldn't come as a surprise that people aren't finding it as easily as they want to. And that it's, yeah, I think if I could just like paraphrase all of this, my takeaway from a lot of the reading we were doing is that people value romantic love more than ever and find it harder to achieve, which is kind of a stranger context. And I think a lot of, again, self-help people are like, marriages don't last like they used to it's like okay that's not really that's not really true american divorce rate has hovered around 44 to 50 percent for a while now and is actually going down as i mentioned but also (laughs) separations are not calculated into that statistic so it's fair to say that like (laughs) did you know that the average divorce is fifteen thousand dollars a lot of money that's a lot of money and that's not counting like people giving each other money no that's like lawyer fees and things of that nature that's crazy so it's not even factoring in the cost of like someone's got to get a new place right true exactly i don't know many divorced couples that continue to be roommates that's some like dumb nonsense we would pull honestly (laughs) oh he's just my friend Ex-husband, baby daddy, it's fine. There's nothing going on here except aggressive sexual tension. He's going to be making our dinner for the date tonight. (laughs) Okay, that sounds like some weird... We'll get into that later. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Okay, so... (laughs) So, I had a huge realization last year that I have long felt would help a lot of people and then Connor being Connor and my best friend and incredibly insightful actually helped me expand it a lot today in a way that I think it was very productive for our relationship but you know when you have this like really healing idea and you just want to tell everybody so they'll feel less stressed out so okay so I went through this nightmarish breakup like, your worst nightmare, right? So, like, I come home one night and my ex is just like, I know I've been all about, like, let's get married and propose to you and we're looking at wedding venues, but, like, JK, deuces. Just kidding. It was far worse than that. But, like... It was roughly the gist <laughs> from what I've gathered. <laughs> that was the TLDR. <laughs> and so I, like, you know, obviously after that, spent a lot of time being like, okay, like, how do I how do I feel okay with this, right? Because I knew that one option I had was to 
spend thousands of dollars on therapy and talk about how my ex was terrible. And it wouldn't be wrong necessarily, like, you know, but it wouldn't be the most productive thing for me, I think, because I am not a cynical person. I wanted to be happy again. I definitely didn't want to wander through life feeling upset and traumatized. So I did tons of reading and tons of journaling and it was very, a very spiritually beautiful time in my life. And, you know, I kind of have a, a, actually I have a lot of nostalgia about that time in my life. It was a time of intense spirituality and, uh, but one of the biggest breakthroughs I had at that time was I was walking around, I live, we live in downtown DC and I had this realization, like, what if romantic passion, not sexual attraction, not anything of that nature, like, not those relationships where you're with them, but, you know, it's because they have a good job. No, no, no. Romantic passion, which most of us have experienced. And by the way, we don't end up in relationships with all the people we're romantically passionate about. You can just develop a crush on someone and nothing ever happened. What if that is actually a huge green light about something we need to address in ourselves? Which is not really a new idea, right? I feel like a lot of therapists talk about this a lot. But what if the process of quote-unquote getting over someone isn't actually about getting over them, but it's about learning what you were supposed to learn from them. Yeah, like I had, um, you know, when I was younger, I was in therapy going, you know, I was going through a breakup and the cousin passed away and I was like, I just want to get over this already. And he just looked at me, he's like, oh, he's like, that's, you know, I don't remember it verbatim, but he basically said, that's a common misconception. He's like, things like this, things that, you know, were such a vital part of your life like, you don't get over this. You get through it in a very literal sense of almost walking through, you know, like a waterfall practically. It's like you're going to take some of that with you once you walk through. Um, and then, yeah, when it comes to the relationships, it's like, okay, you know, like kind of take yourself out of it and view the relationship as something of its sort of its own thing. And it's like, okay, like what what can I take away from this? What did work? What didn't work? Because obviously if it if it's, you know, we're not so together, there was something, you know, either there or not there, that is why it didn't work. Um, and rather than painting it all in black and white, which is, again, a different conversation about kind of our tendency to do. Um, like Join us for our breakup episode. Right? Date coming out, TBD. <laughs> um, <laughs> but seriously, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, yeah. So, but like, yeah, like live in that gray area. Um finding out yeah like okay what can I learn from this and also you know because like I think it's so funny you and I've talked about that conversation so many times and I think that's super helpful for breakups but I also think it's super helpful for people that like again we maybe just romantically fixate on you know I'm I don't have too many of those because my vibe is like fall in love okay we're in a relationship now (laughs) 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 Um, but like, even so there was a guy I talked to not even that much really in the breakup space. And I developed a huge crush on him and a way that I really didn't develop a crush on anyone else. I went on dates with over the past or like the single, the single year, basically I had this resolution. I was like, I will be single this year. Come heaven or hell wider. Oh, I messed that up. What is it? Heaven or Or hell or high water. (laughs) I have messed us both up on this cliche. Yeah, but I was like, I'm going to stay single. But I had this huge crush on this guy. And I didn't even really know what I wanted because I didn't want a relationship with him. And it really, this epiphany I had really shifted for me. Like, what is it about him that is something I have to learn about myself? And that really kind of cracked it open for me. And guess what? The minute I sort of learned, okay... This guy represents certain parts of my unclaimed self and my crush on him is really more about that, which I want to be clear, you know, I think it's really important that this doesn't sound like a mindset about, oh, you're supposed to get over everybody. On the contrary, I think that your life partner, whether it's a life partner for a few years or the rest of your life, 
is somebody where you're both learning from each other in such a deep and meaningful way that it's it's just reinforcing like and I think about that with Connor and I were talking about this we've you know I think it was my stepmom who said yeah you guys have only been dating for a year but you've been together for 11 yeah and a big part of the intensity of our connection I think is that we do because we have so much in common because we are so we just have such a spiritual connection it's like yeah we want to get married because we want to be people who learn from each other for the rest of our life yeah, um, and I think that's you know, related to that is like <clears throat> finding out it's like, oh, you know, someone, you know, like this guy who it's like, okay, like what was it about him that is like why I was interested in, yeah, like seeing that as like learning for yourself, like, oh, like that's that's what it was about me that like was being brought out in this relationship. And so, you know, like just like gaining that knowledge about yourself and for us, like, the the romantic partner I think is someone who yeah like you can always learn more from like about each other about the relationship about yourself um because yeah like then because you know like and I think that's like your stepmom said like we've been together for 11 years and so like we've seen each other we are not the same people that we were 11 years ago and we haven't been the same people throughout those 11 years um so like constantly adapting and changing and you know 11 years from now 40 years from now 50 years from now we're not going to be the same people um and so you need you need a love you need a partnership that that can grow and evolve with that and the only way you can do that is if you are constantly learning from each other and constantly learning about it's like okay like we're both a little different than we were five years ago so like as long as as that shift occurs you're growing with each other and continuing to learn from each other then like that's where like like the romantic is someone who who you want to keep learning from and who you can keep learning from well and this gets back to the connor part of it so he used a word today the relationship mirror we were talking about us and something totally unrelated but i think it was about like conflict resolution or something of that nature anyway and he used the word the relationship mirror to deal with accountability like okay so it's really and this is like a therapy term the identified patient it's really easy in a relationship to make somebody the identified patient and sometimes somebody is I really don't buy people who are oh well two people are in it that's just not the case there are a hundred percent relationships where one person is abusive or whatever that's not what we're saying but I mean what were you saying because I don't want to speak for you uh, well, yeah, so I was, like, sort of getting into that a little bit earlier, um, just talking about, like, um, you know, for better or for worse, when a relationship doesn't work out, um, you know, you need to have an honest look in the mirror about what that was, and I think, you know, I've had, you know, relationships over my life, and I've helped a lot of friends through breakups of, you know, varying degrees of difficulty, um, and I feel like the two, you know, buckets that people fall into is, is a, you know, pretty natural means of trying to cope. Um, is either like the demonization or the deification. Um, it's either like the other person was just all bad or like the other person, you know, I wasted my time or the other person is a saint and I'll never do that well again. And they're both unhealthy because obviously it's like if the other person was that perfect for you, then you, you found a way to resolve it and work through whatever problems were going on. And then if you're saying the other person was all bad, like one, then you're just making it harder for yourself because it's like, well, if they're just a total demon, then you're beating yourself up for having been with that person. But then two, like, if they're all bad, like, you can't learn anything from that. You can't grow from that. You can't apply that. Again, not just to, you know, romantic partnerships, but any type of relationship. Um, Like, you haven't learned to look at that. So, like, you need to, you know, step back from that and just have, like, an honest honest assessment of, like, you know, um, what can I take away from this as I move forward? Well, and also, it's very alienating. I'd forgotten about that, but as you were talking, I remember feeling, after all my breakups, honestly, this very alienating feeling. Connor and I are both very verbal people. We like to process things with our friends and community, and whenever people are are vilifying your ex without your consent, it's very alienating because it's like, okay, so this was a part of my life. 
that was meaningful to me. It may not have even been positive. It may have been abusive. But to it's to disown yourself to approach it with a laser gun of shame. Yeah. Shame on your ex, shame on you, shame on, I don't know, your friends or family or whatever who should have done this or that. I don't know. But to, you know, what I realized last year was like, what if we looked at romantic love not as not as some kind of acquisition of a partner, but as a spiritual path of learning more and more about ourselves, regardless of whether that ends in partnership. Because you can have a crush on someone that because you do your inner work and you introspect and you think about it is a very productive use of emotional energy. And you also can have relationships that don't work out where even if they were bad, but because you, again, do everything in your power to spiritualize that and say, okay, how did I end up in that situation? Which is not a victim blamey thing. I really don't like it at all when we reduce, especially abusive situations to, oh, they should have seen the, that's, that's just untrue. A hundred percent untrue. Wonderful people end up in domestically, romantically abusive relationships all the time. That said, I do think we should empower people in not learning from it as in, oh, learning how I avoid that situation in the future. No, because it's not your fault if you end up in that situation, but learning from it in the sense that if you fall in love with someone, fall in love, not are attracted to, not date them because you're, they're your baby's daddy, but like fall romantically in love. What is it about them that was tapping into the spiritual side of you so strongly? And, you know, a lot of psychologists will talk about how, oh, it's always your childhood. They mirror your early caregiver. And I think that's true sometimes for sure, if not a lot of the time. But maybe it's something else. Like Connor is not like my parents at all. <laughs> yeah, and I think the reason a lot of, you know, therapists like to say it's your early caregivers is because that's that's your model. That's your baseline for what a partnership looks like. And this gets to, again, like, you know, you know, doing like a postmortem of breakups because, you know, there were, you know, relationships I had before college that like I didn't really properly process or grieve or deal with. Um, oh, like, no, that really, I can't that, think of any of those. Like, you know, to like enter into new relationships or like let myself be open again, you know, for years after that. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's like because it's like it starts with the example set by, you know, your parents or your aunts and uncles, your grandparents, like those models that you have when you are younger, but then you need to refine it and make it yours. And, you know, dating is, dating is just trial runs until, you know, for marriage basically. And so, but if you don't learn from that, if you don't, you know, study the tape, so to speak, um, then you're not learning. So you're just going to, you know, keep repeating and keep, you know, falling into the same mistakes. Um, and, you know, I think as you're talking and remembering, Oh, young Connor. He was so attractive and so fascinating. I mean, you still are those things. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't have used the past tense there, should I? Awkward. <laughs> um, no, but I think it's really interesting because, yeah, I like, I'm thinking about young you and the two women in particular that you kind of fixated on. And the funniest part was, and I'm not saying this is because I'm his fiance. I'm, I said this when we were bros. I was like, bro, they aren't even like a good fit for you. I don't get it. But I think that the reason this gets from like learning from crushes or learning from unavailable people, sometimes all you have to learn from that person is that I am giving my power away to this intense infatuation because I'm either not ready to do the actual day-to-day -day work of an actual committed relationship or I'm not ready to do the work of inhabiting my purpose or – and I'm not saying that was true of you, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I was nodding for those of you not <laughs> sitting here looking at me. No, but that was my hypothesis at the time. I would talk to Carson about this. I was like, look, he just doesn't – 
Connor just doesn't want to actually have a serious relationship. And so he's making up these elaborate stories about like, oh, what could have been? (laughs) Yes, I was was going to give a shout out to our friend Carson. So Carson (laughs) is one of our good friends from freshman year who stayed in touch with. And yeah, Carson and Jocelyn basically spent all of freshman year like... Roasting him. Oh, God, he's going to talk about (laughs) wildfires or his exes again. Here we go. Um, Oh, no, we loved it. It was great. Yeah. (laughs) And so they... But, you know, in hindsight, like, I think they really kind of were pushing me. They're like, okay, man, like, are you going to keep running on this hamster wheel? Or, like, are you going to actually, you know, take some steps, like, do the work to, like, figure out, like, why are you still, you know, running on this hamster wheel? Like, why haven't you moved on? Why are you still, like, holding on to this? And, like, I hope we don't sound... It's so funny because I said, let's make sure we don't focus on the breakup part. But as we're talking, it's really important, though, because I think at no place are most of us unhealed quite like we are with how we view and process romantic love that did not work out, whether it was through a breakup or through that person just not feeling it or whatever. And, you know, back to that example, it's really interesting because, you know, I think we've all, all of us, by your the time you're 30, have had committed relationships that didn't actually have a lot of romantic love and a lot of romantic love that didn't come into relationships and what so you know what we're talking about is the romantic love part why do you fall in love with the people you do and why do we fixate on the people we do and it's so people know about it so much that it's always a dude right like the commitment phobic dude who's holding on to his ex and it's like are you really holding on to your ex or do you use this intensity as a way to keep yourself from being available to what you could actually learn from a partner who would feel that way about you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I think, you know, a lot, it's like, you know, it can totally be a defense mechanism. It's like, it's fear of getting hurt. So it's like, Oh, if I just hold on to this, um, then yeah, then I don't have to open myself up. Um, because the lived work and we deal with this, It's a very positive thing. When you're madly in love with someone who's madly in love with you and it's healthy, what I hypothesized and feel more and more since I first thought about it is that a relationship is supposed to be a connection that teaches you more and more about yourself every single day. And it's why when you said that word, relationship mirror, I got so excited. I was like, yeah, that's the name of what I've been trying to put the relationship mirror. Like, you and I are not perfect people. Well. She's close. <laughs> I love how we were both about to make the same joke, but we were about to make it about me. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll get how right that joke is in a couple of episodes. Well. <laughs> no, but like, actually, I'm not at all. And that's why it's funny. It's like, we are two people who know every single thing about each other. Like, there is no unflattering secret, unflattering phase of our life that, you know, peop- we don't know about each other and probably we're there for. <laughs> literally. literally there for. And so I think a lot of people, one thing my mom literally asked me the day after, or the day after, the day I told her about Connor and I, which she was like, well, honey are you holding back because there's not really a spark because you know each other so well? And like, I want to address that in a very real way. I think people have that idea. And you and I talk about this a lot because it's a serious pet peeve of mine. People think the spark has to do with novelty and, oh, it's a new partner. It's a new body. It's a new experience. That is definitely a thing. So I don't want to minimize that. Yeah. The first time you kiss someone, it's like, oh man, this is new. But it's also, in a bigger way, the the level of importance we put on that is kind of a myth, man. Like, they have found that couples who divorce, divorce for reasons that were present when they first got together. And they have also found that though marital happiness does decline a little bit, it's not as much as people think. And for me what I know of the human experience, I wonder how much of that decline is more about bad relationship habits that our culture really pushes on people and less about the way people feel about each other. Another way of saying this, the people who get divorced probably shouldn't have gotten married in the first place. 
Um, it's very Catholic Church of us to say. I know. Um, oh, we're such a cliche. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think, and that's why, like, with the relationship mirror, it's like, if you don't, and like with finding romantic love, it's like, if you can't be honest with yourself, then you can't approach a relationship with the honesty that's required to 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 build a healthy relationship and that doesn't mean you know like achieve you know total nirvana in terms of who i am as a dater um but it means like you know part of that knowing self and looking at that, the relationship mirrors and like i still don't know everything and so like being open to the fact that yeah like there are going to be things in any relationship at the start at the middle at the end that are not perfect but it needs to be like you know a constant attentiveness to as we've said like learning from each other um and having that open and honest communication where it's like, maybe, you know, maybe you disagree about, you know, what does or doesn't need to change. But like, as long as you can have that open and honest communication and, and reach a point of understanding. Um, and even if you can't, because again, I feel like every time Connor talks about relationships, I point out <laughs> that you don't need to be in a relationship yeah. to view your romantic. If you view like your romantic heart and your libido and all that sexual and romantic energy that we carry with us whether or not we're in a relationship as some kind of transformation compass, like pointing you towards what you need to learn about yourself. I think that is such an empowering, beautiful thing. And to look at your love life, not as a place to like achieve goals necessarily, because look, I have goals. I, Connor and I are engaged. We want to have kids, of course. But it also, when it comes to your romantic and sexual self, this is a compass to, okay, why does this person, you know, I, I talk about my single year all the time and my friends have all roasted for me for this, including Connor, by the way, <laughs> Once or twice. <laughs> because I was dating all these guys of all races and ethnicities who were basically very similar guys. They were typically overeducated and very quirky um, typically a little bit on the taller and skinnier spectrum of body type. <laughs> and the term bean pole gets thrown around, <laughs> but, you know. You know what? He said a lot meaner things than that. <laughs> so moving forward. But, but again, of all the first and second dates I went on, there was one guy that I really had a huge crush on. And that's so interesting. And again, taking that to my therapy and my journaling – why became pretty clear and this is the thing right we view romance as out something outside ourselves that we have to achieve or procure but romance can actually be a compass within us to deeper and deeper versions of ourself and when you find the person you want to partner with which up top friend it really is because there isn't like a day or a week or a year that connor and i spend together as friends or partners where I don't learn a lot about myself, myself, actually Freudian slip, because yeah, I do think that there are multiple versions of ourself and the most passionate you can feel about someone is someone who accesses all those parts yeah. and living in wholeness is somebody who is, and I don't mean the sexually, but also sexually like turning all those selves on at once. Yeah. And then related to what you said about like finding, you know, your romant, you know, calibrating your romantic compass like outside of the confines of relationship and just like with yourself is like but it's like oh you know like what was it about that person or that person that did it's like that was you know like this side of myself and this side of myself like and realizing yeah that it's like someone might check you know get one or two of those needles pointing north um but like as you learn that then it's like okay like what it, in me what am I looking for that can orient all of these in the right direction and I think a lot of people it's become popular on the internet to be like oh yeah he was just like a, you know bonding with your unhealed self you need to do some healing and I actually highly disagree with that because I don't think it's bad for someone to vibe with your unhealed self I think that can actually be a very very rife chemical place for healing. I mean, my ex and I, I will always be grateful for the experience of dating him because I think we had a lot of similar unhealed parts that in the mirroring was the transformation. It's like, you know, I did a lot of serious healing work and spiritual work in that relationship because, you know, the connection between us, like 
some of it wasn't good. But that doesn't mean that the growth that came out of it wasn't good and that the knowledge of myself wasn't absolutely... And, you know, in terms of like, okay, so should you not be with someone who mirrors back some of your dark sides? I think that's so goofy. It really depends on if the two people in question want to do that work together. And I think that's the case, like doing that work is that in that relationship that we discussed, like, you know, it, it created a safe space for you to be able to do that work and grow. Um, but then kind of when it became clear that like that was going to be a little one-sided and then, you know, other, <laughs> let's say issues. Um, Connor is trying so hard to not be that dude who says negative things about my exes. And I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, because, because this isn't about us. Like I'm trying to, you know, like this is right, about like, yeah. it was a relationship where, you know, she did a lot of growth and introspection. And, you know, and there were a lot of good aspects of the relationship that created a space in which she could do that and which she could, you know, process some things that she brought into the relationship from previous relationships. And that's, you know, exactly like you said at the jump, like, you know, when, when we started dating, I had just gotten out of a two year relationship and I was planning on, you know, doing, you know, like finding myself and like having a year or two of like, you know, like I need to figure out, you know, what it is about me, what I need to work on, what I need to do to be able to like you know, find a serious partner as I'm, you know, I just turned 30. And so it's like, oh, I'm getting so old. Um, I think I know someone. I'll give you a number after the show. Nice. Um, And so, yeah. And then, you know, and there's, you know, that could be another episode of something you said to think about the fact that like, I hadn't really made much progress on the work, but I was like making, you know, taking baby steps down that path and and open to that growth. Um, And then, you know, Jocelyn and I went to a basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I get all my fiancés. She's a big sports ball fan. <laughs> um. No, and I think, you know, it's really, you can't, and this is why I think romance is such a powerful part of the romantic journey or romantic spiritual journey, human evolution journey, because it's not, you can't plan it. And this is why my year of being single was hilarious because, Again, I think I told you guys this last time. I had, like, a hard, I'm not talking to anyone, I'm healing. And then, you know, I went on a bunch of coffee dates and first drink dates, and I really did. I was, and at that point, I wasn't fully over my ex, but I was definitely open to a new connection. And, you know, it just, no one really did it for me because I think at a certain level, we're looking for our next teacher. We really are. And I really don't subscribe to this notion that let's say you fall for someone who is an abuser just like your dad was or, you know, that's like the typical pop psychology example. Let's say it's that, you know, straightforward. Fine. I'm not saying you get into a relationship with that person, but what if you view the romantic feeling that you have for them as a growth moment you could have and a transformation you could have? Instead of, uh, oh, no, everything's terrible, like, love is bad. and No, I think it's, I think, to be clear, I do think danger, dating is dangerous in this country right now, especially for women. We have high rates of partner violence, high rates of assault and rape and all sorts of things. So I don't want to minimize any of that. But we're not talking about relationships necessarily. We're talking about the feelings we have. Like, if you fall in love with someone who clearly from a distance has a violent streak or is avoidant or whatever yeah maybe there is a growth moment there for you like which part of me are they bonding with and maybe the way to move forward is to go into that unclaimed part of me and shine the light in there whether it's through talk therapy or my sister is she hiked the whole Appalachian Trail and met her fiance there, which I think is super cute. It was very cute. But um, she, you know, like hiking is a form of healing for her. She's not as verbal as I am. And the time she spends in nature is brings her a lot of tranquility and peace. Like it doesn't have to look any type of way. But what if the romantic and sexual feelings we have, instead of being an enemy and like, oh, why can't I get over this person? I wish they'd text me back. It's like, you can't control other people. No. You can't control 
whether someone loves you or wants to be with you. But who cares? Because there are billions of people out there and you will find other teachers, which I think is just a wildly empowering thought. Yeah. And I think, you know, sort of like as you were talking, it's like what you were saying about like it doesn't need to be, you know, like, you know, like an abusive ex or whatever. Like, like it can even be the minor things. Again, whether or not it's a relationship, it's like, oh, like this person, I like kind of had a thing and like I, you know, like still have feelings for them like what is it like they you know be like they just you know they were going to be moving soon or like they just like weren't feeling it as much as i was or like they just got out of a long relationship like whatever it is he's just listing off his exes at this point (laughs) he's not that was a joke (laughs) that is why it didn't work out it doesn't and that's sort of almost more importantly right totally when it's this big it's like oh he was abusive then everyone's gonna be like okay i can understand why you didn't stick around (laughs) Um, but but when it's other things that are like seemingly more minor and banal yeah then it's like well one like it did it still didn't work out for a reason but then two it's like okay well like for me i can learn like that like why it didn't work out but then as you were saying but like then you can only after you learn that then you can separate out like from like the why it didn't work out and then like you were saying why it why i wanted it to why i did feel oriented towards that person because there was i did learn that there was something in there that that did connect with me and so you need to be able to peel out the why it didn't work and then you have those two buckets again of like you know what i do want what i don't want and that's the only and you as you know jocelyn said like you don't need to be fully healed to enter a relationship because if you're waiting for that moment, like you're, it's it's never gonna come. And also, you know, I think it's amount of healed, right? Because I feel like the amount of healing should be basically. Actually, you know what? This segues into something else we want to talk about, though. So Connor and I don't actually watch a lot of TV because this is a true story. We can't stop talking, and we will, we will just like be like, okay, we're not watching this we're at talking, all. We'll like start moving, and then twenty minutes in, we're both like, we talk the whole time and don't know what's going on. Do you want to start it over and just like close it and keep talking? Yeah, and like we're big, like our love language is like honestly just spending time together, but also like going on long walks together. And anyway, so um, so what was my point? Oh, but we actually, I'm so proud of us, are actually getting through this show. Friends from college, which I don't know if I recommend it or if we're just addicted because it's a bit of both. I mean, um... Well, so one of the things, though, is that they are all they all treat each other terribly. So that's the only spoiler I'll give. And as a result, you know, there's some volatile relationships and I'm watching this and I turn to Connor and I think of something that my therapist said to me, which In this culture, we really do like to focus on red flags and what isn't working. But that's not really the question because unless something is abusive, which obviously there's never an excuse for abuse, but unless something is abusive, couples can weather, couples who have a serious connection, who are committed to each other in the relationship, can weather a lot of stressors, whether it's health, finances, uh, more shameful things like being attracted to someone else, developing a crush on someone else, still having feet. Actually, this is relevant. So when Connor and I started dating, I was not over my ex. And not even romantically. I was just still very shaken by the experience. But because the this relationship is so much a passionate friendship, there is so much unconditional love here that I could share without shame and Connor could receive it without feeling anxious about our connection because he and I just literally share everything with each other. So he wasn't, and like, I really didn't have romantic feelings for my ex by the time we got together. But even if I did, I could have just told you that. And that's like, and I think that's the only way like a true romantic connection, like, um, understands that like, it is all kind of, um, a a journey, you know, of like, (laughs) um, It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, and like, again, like when you are in that truly romantic partnership, it's like when you are trying to learn from each other, like, it's like right now, this is, this is her learning moment, both about herself and like whatever I can potentially bring to the table. So it's like, if there's something like, you know, talking about an ex, like I know most guys out there are like not going to be comfortable with that, but you need to like, there's some, there's some learning there. Why? It's like, she's with you, not him. 
And she's trying to process why that is. So why are you threatened by the fact that he wasn't all trash? Because if you're going to sit there and say he was just all trash, you know, ironically, I would say that that makes it more likely that that relationship is going to go downhill because she knows that, no, this guy I was with for a period of time wasn't all trash. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been with him for so long. So it's like helping work through those lingering feelings is the only way to get to to moving through that and moving past that. Well, and especially, so the reason I brought up that show is because they have all these secrets from each other. And Connor and I are watching this horrified because, again, we can't even have a minor internal joke without informing the (laughs) the other of it. Like, much less big, scary secrets that could disrupt the relationship. And it's like we have this fear of sharing our full selves with a partner not getting that when you share your full self with someone you're romantically in love with and they're sharing your full self with you, that is the growth that is promised by these feelings. When you two are both sharing and I really do believe my favorite uh, my favorite writer of self-helpy books, if you will, Dr. Gay Hendricks and Dr. Kathleen Hendricks, they're a couple, they're madly in love. They write a lot about radical honesty and how Honesty really is an aphrodisiac. You are going to feel more turned on spiritually, sexually, and emotionally by someone you're, you're sharing your full self with so you guys can learn together. And I really do believe that when couples who were in love start to feel less in love, I think it's possible that people change because, you know, you hear that a lot. But data seems to suggest that either people were not partnering correctly to begin with or are not doing the internal work of sharing their full selves, learning from it, making adjustments, and protecting the house, both literally and figuratively. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, again, it gets to, like, you know, open and honesty, because, you know, without getting too deep into, like, you know, the apps and all the stuff of, like, we said in our last episode about, like, how it, like, almost kind of encourages people to, you know, lie and, you know, fudge about little things. Much less the um, big, scary, shameful then, things. You know, and then, you know, in the, you know, the dating scene, it's like, oh, you know, I love that band. And then, like, you hate them. And it's like, that's not a huge deal. But the, I feel like there are a lot of little things like that, that in an earlier in a relationship, people want to put their best foot forward. They always want to, like, be open and, like, we get along and we vibe on everything. And it's like, then that, that, you know, sows the seeds of, like, um, and obviously, like, lying about liking a band is unlikely to lead to a divorce. Um, but just, like, little things like that, where it's like, unless you can, like, try and be yourself as much as you can from day one, and just create those, that culture, that habit of just openness and honesty with each other, um, that is how you can overcome, you know, all long-term relationships, all marriages are going to have their ups and downs, they're going to have their moments of trial. And again, things that are really not pretty, whether it's, I keep using a crush on someone else because that I think is something we can all relate to. Like, what a horrifying thing, whether whether you're the person having the crush or your spouse has the crush, like that's a scary thing in monogamous partnerships, which most people still are. I mean, yeah. I think we should do an episode on polyamory because that would be really interesting. Yeah. But, you know, obviously that's a different, as always, we have gone we- very long. We went a little- this is this is our second consecutive twenty minute episode. Oh yeah, um, strong air quotes. It. No, but I I do just to close out. I would encourage every single person, including us, to just be conscious of the fact that in this culture, it's so easy to feel ashamed of your romantic situation, whether you're not really feeling it with your partner, or you know you're still have feelings for someone from high school we really should do an episode on how to get over an ex i think that'd be great um but but one quick stat that i'm going to try to say quickly we found or we connor found a stat that was very interesting to us that people in partnered relationships actually stalk their exes significantly more like 15 percent more than single people and what that tells me is that if we don't view our romantic destiny as a space of healing and a space of uh, making sure that you are, again, growing in a conscious way forward, it can actually just encourage us to fixate more and more. It's like procrastinated work, right? Yeah. Like if you're with someone 
and you're not viewing the relationship as a space of complete spiritual openness and evolution, it can be very easy to just fixate on spiritual work you didn't finish five years ago, five months ago. <laughs> yeah, it's like an, even I've had friends where it's like, you know, the, the ex they're fixated on isn't the one that I would have guessed because it's the one that they like kind of totally hate. And it's like, why? Because again, after the breakup, the way that they were taught to heal, the way their friends pushed them to heal was like, think about all those red flags. But as Jocelyn said, it's like, we need to, we need to talk more about the green flags. And so it's like, they can't think about, they don't, they, they haven't done the work to realize what it was about that ex that they liked. So they can't move on from that. They can't take that away. So they're constantly scrolling on the IG, scrolling on the Facebook to like, you know, because they're, because that person just has a corner in the back of your head that like, you can't get them out of until you figure out why they were there to begin with. Right. Even if it is, you know, I have an ex that I at the time thought I was super passionate about. And similar to what we're talking about with Connor, like I was at a place where I was kind of offloading my purpose onto him. And when I realized that was kind of, you know, because I wasn't in a good place intellectually and professionally. And so making the relationship my identity was a really seductive thing to do. And like, so yeah, so we're not necessarily saying the thing you learn has to be super profound. It may just learn that you were looking for something to make your life about so you could hype yourself up into this romantic fervor. But yeah, I am really, really excited to move forward with you. Best friend slash fiance. Best friend slash fiance. Um, and to continue learning from each other and the relationship mirror. And I really do want that for everyone to feel zero shame and a lot of curiosity. Yeah. And I think I like these because I think that's the big thing that is important is like it's just to not have shame about any of it. Like just questions. Yeah. Question, conf- you know, confront mistakes, be open about them. But you can't change the past. You can only learn from it. And I think, I, you know, Joss and I have. 11 years of learning from each other and yeah looking forward to more and looking forward to y'all sticking around and listening to our uh you know again alternate title Jocelyn and Connor won't stop talking because podcasts. we can't stop talking um, all right let's try <laughs> all right, so we all, again, yeah thanks for stopping by again and we will we will see you, see you next you week soon.